What is going on, everybody? Kamusta kayo lahat mula sa Luzon, Visayas, Mindanao, or wherever the heck you are on the planet. This is your one and only Jake of All Trades, the place to be for any niche, every genre, and all generations. I am your master of ceremony, D to the E to the LRO, aka JDR, aka the Extraordinary Introvert. So, what is going on, everybody? We are back with another episode and we're already in episode three wow time flies but here we are we are in our third episode and this is actually a continuation of what we discussed last time which is schooling in the new normal but the major difference though is if last time we got to hear from a student's perspective aka from gabby this time around we're going to be hearing from a teacher's perspective and it is truly my pleasure that this former professor of mine not only took the initiative to join me in this call but uh, I am joined by not just one of the professors, but I am joined by one of sociology's finest. Uh, if you studied in Ateneo or if you took essay classes, I'm sure you guys know him very well. But just to give you a brief introduction about him, uh, he's one of Ateneo's products and he took a PhD and completed it in the National University of Singapore. So I'm sure he's going to tell you guys more about himself later on. But without further ado, Let's give it up. Pasok na po kayo, Dr. Enrique Nino P. Lavista. Thank you, Jake. Uh, good afternoon to you and good afternoon to your listeners. Um, it is actually a pleasure to join you this afternoon for our kwentuhan, for our conversation. I mean, it's been a while since we touched base. And I am happy and proud to see you, uh, you know, doing this. You know, uh, The last time we talked, the last time we spoke, Plano pa lang to eh. no? uh, It's not something uh, you're doing constantly, but now, as you mentioned, ikatlo mo ng episode. So, hats off to you, man. Hanga ako sa'yo. Saludo ako sa'yo, Jake. Yes, thank you so much, sir. Happy um, to be here. Before we start, I just want to let you guys know that uh, I was a student for basically my entire college life. So, I was very fortunate <laughs> enough for him to take me under his wing. So I was basically one of his protégés, if you will. And uh, this is just one of the byproducts of the lessons and the knowledge that I got from Dr. Levista. So uh, I guess before we start, similar to what I asked Gabby to do last time, uh, please, by all means, humble brag. Uh, you have every right to because <laughs> you've made it and you've done all that stuff. So uh, I guess just give our listeners a brief background about yourself, what other stuff I may have missed out on earlier. So, the floor is now yours, Paul. Well, thank you, Jake. Um, contrary to what you might think, uh, I still see myself as a work in progress. Constantly see myself as evolving and developing. But in terms of what I have been doing so far, so as you mentioned, I have been teaching in Ateneo since 2001. So, from 2001 to 2006, summer of 2006 to be exact. I was a part-time lecturer in the Department of Sociology and Anthropology. And after that, I 
decided to take further studies overseas. And that took me to the island of Singapore, where I stayed for roughly seven years. No? Uh, almost five years of that was devoted to finishing my PhD in sociology, as you mentioned, in the National University of Singapore. And I also got a chance to work in the National Institute of Education as a research fellow for two years before deciding to move back with my family to the Philippines no? and teach. So once more, so from 2013 to the present, uh, I have been a member of the faculty of the Department of Sociology and Anthropology, where it all started, where my teaching career, so to speak, began and uh, took root. And um, as a teacher, I am also expected to perform administrative duties. And one of those duties currently is being the director of the Institute of Philippine Culture. So, uh, I, in other words, I wear multiple hats. As a teacher, I am still teaching. Uh, and I see, still see myself as a teacher primarily. That will never change. But apart from that, um, I also uh, perform administrative duties, um, university service, after all, is an integral part of teaching life. And apart from that, um, uh, when my schedule permits and if I can find time, um, I try, you know, the operative word is try, so I try to write. And if I'm fortunate enough, get those uh, uh, papers or get those uh, works published from time to time. But uh, on the whole, I see myself more as a teacher. I see myself more as an administrator. So essentially, that's what I've been doing. But I think the most important thing to point out is um, I'm also a father, a father of two. Uh, two boys and given the circumstances that we find ourselves in that we confront uh, I obviously spend most of my time now at home you know? and it's I think it has its pluses and, and minuses of course which we can discuss later so thank you Jake for the opportunity wow that's a very nice resume right there um, so as you guys can see, he's been to Singapore, uh, took up his PhD there. Uh, he's seen it all from the sociological lenses. And actually, I want to talk about your particular department because if I can recall, the DSA or the Department of Sociology and Anthropology was a center of excellence from the one and only Chen. And to me, that's such a huge honor to be a part of that course. That is a center of excellence for I'm not sure how long, but around five to six years. So I guess you can tell me a little bit more about uh, our department, the DSA. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that, Jake. Uh, it would be my pleasure to do that. Um, the Department of Sociology and Anthropology, the department I've been a part of since 2001. Well, actually, since 1998, when uh, I took my master's there. No, When I took my master's and then began teaching in 2001. Um, is, as you mentioned, a center of excellence. Um, 
and it was first awarded that distinction in the mid 1990s. No, if I am not mistaken, it was 1996, I think, when it was first uh, given that distinction. And to be a center of excellence means to excel not only in teaching or in instruction, but to be a pioneer in research, right? And in, shall we say, community service. No, not only university service, but uh, more importantly, uh, extending your work beyond the confines of uh, academia, all right? To, or academia, sorry, to include um, uh, communities, right? Um, other organizations, right? Um, and institutions which are private you know, and also institutions that are public or government. So I think being a center of excellence also requires you to meet certain standards. And I'm happy to say that since 1996, up to the present, um, we have always been uh, considered as uh, a pioneering department, a pioneering institution as far as sociology is concerned. Um, in fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there are only two, I think, Uh, departments in the School of Social Sciences in Ateneo de Manila that are considered or that are that have been given that distinction uh, psychology and then us and we continue to to excel in that regard we continue to maintain uh, that status which means we continue to satisfy and to meet the standards of uh, the Commission on Higher Education which by the way evaluates No, um, this is status at a given period of time. So there's pressure, admittedly, but it's also a privilege in a way because you're given an opportunity to, you know, revisit the way you run your department, to revisit your programs, no, to improve on how you run your department, to improve on how you deliver your programs, right? which means improving how you teach, adding to what you teach. Right? So these are the things that departments continue to work on, you know, further improve because the needs of students change. The needs yes. of students evolve. Hence, departments have to be mindful and sensitive you know, because we are situated you know, within milieus that continually change, that continually transform, and hence, we should be sensitive to that. And rightly so, we should continue to evolve as well, to transform, to be able to effectively, you know, and uh, productively and creatively provide service to whoever needs it, particularly students. Wow, that's that's really awesome. That's good to know that you guys actually adapt and evolve over the years. And I guess I would also like to give a shout out to your colleagues as well, Sina Sir Nudai, Sina Miss Nota, Sina Doxy, and of course the backbone of your department, Sina Bernie, for really being at the oh, forefront yeah. of your evolution process and uh, your nonstop 
ability to change and to adapt to the time. So I really have to give your entire team really the props they deserve because uh, again, the, the success of a department like lies on its teammates or its members. So I can really see how each and every one of you guys really dedicate uh, your passion, your craft into making this department what it is today. I'm glad actually that you mentioned teamwork. No? I mean, admittedly, that has been a mantra of the DSA, of the department. And I must admit that without that, you know, it would be cumbersome. It would be difficult mm-hmm. to achieve what we have achieved so far. And what we continue to strive for, you know, what we continue to aspire for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I am grateful to colleagues who, you know, don't lack imagination, who don't lack foresight, and who don't lack commitment. Indebted to them, and I am constantly humbled to be around them because these—I'm talking about a stellar group of you know, individuals, gifted individuals, talented individuals, but down-to-earth individuals who, you know, uh, are actually, shall we say, willing to, as the cliche goes, you know, walk the extra mile. Mm-hmm. To ensure that the department is in good hands, that the department is in excellent shape. Well, I'm very, thankful for that. Grateful for that. That's very inspiring and that's very heartwarming to hear. Which is why yeah. some uh, listeners, about the students or incoming freshmen, or for those who are freshmen that are thinking about shifting courses, I really suggest you guys consider social sciences. You're not going to miss a thing. You're really going to get the whole package from this department I really think that uh, considering going to social sciences is a good option to say the least and yes for my listeners who are young who are still on the fence of what choice of what course to pick I'd seriously consider going to social sciences because you're going to be getting the best uh, out of these professors and out of the people behind the scenes Thank you for that, Jake. Actually, it's AB Sociology na. Uh, yung batch mo, I think yung batch mo, yung second to the last uh, batch that will be taking AB Social Sciences. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that's, you know, that's the old program. It's a stellar program. But then, because as we mentioned, we need to adapt. You know, and we need to be sensitive and mindful to the demands of students as well. And to what they want to do. And to prepare them, to better equip them. And since we've been doing sociology since day one, anyway, mm-hmm. we might as well focus on, you know, the fundamental core of the program itself, which is sociology. And that's one of mm-hmm. the ra- the reasons why, or the motivations, as to why we shifted to uh, AB sociology from AB social sciences. Right. So as you mentioned, yeah, I mean, I'm going to use this platform to to invite those who. You know, we're um, actually thinking of what to take in college or in university. I mean, seriously consider yes. taking AB sociology, especially under these circumstances where there are many social cultural issues mm-hmm. that merit, you know, critical study, critical examination. So I think sociology is the best preparation for you. Mm-hmm. you know, and 
uh, Jake mentioned, and Jake is a living testament to that. We won't let you down. Uh, thank you very much for that. Sir. And this is actually a perfect segue into the main discussion of our episode today, and that is uh, schooling in the new normal. But before we focus about the concerns of what education will look like in this in these very extraordinary circumstances, I would like you to. Uh, take a trip down memory lane to what the last days of normalcy was like in school. So since you mentioned that social sciences is now sociology, I think the shift is pretty symbolic and it's very timely because our whole world is basically shifting from uh, pre-normal life or normal life pre-pandemic to this new normal life. But before we get into that, I would like to ask you, what is your vibe? What is your feeling? Ko? nung mga huling araw ng normal before you know, quarantine happened, before school started shutting down. I would like to know the atmosphere, whether it be in the classroom, whether you were giving a lecture, whether you were giving a consultation, whether you were filing papers, doing last-minute requirements inside your department. So the floor is not yours. But... Okay, thank you, Jake. Um, well, actually, now that you've asked, no, ang dami nang nangyari, so... I'll try to be as meticulous in terms of revisiting what happened prior to the lockdown or prior to the many versions of the lockdown that we've been experiencing in Metro Manila. Uh, I was actually in the middle of uh, giving out, if I'm not mistaken, a major uh, class activity. Which actually required, which actually required students to uh, to watch two documentaries on Mindanao, two documentaries that were focused on or that highlighted unending conflicts in Mindanao and why these conflicts remain prevalent. And my students and I were actually planning to have. An extensive discussion of the issues, um, which they will initiate through uh, infographics. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I don't recall if we did that in your class or during your batch, but um, for this particular cohort, for this particular batch, and for that particular section of the course, which is sociology of the Philippines, by the way. It's a relatively new course that we're offering to freshies no? in the second semester. And so this is a course that's mainly for uh, freshie sociology majors who are in their second semester. And so we were taking that. And we were having fun. Well, at least I was. I don't know about my <laughs> students. Um, sure they were. Um, and we were in the middle of discussing unending conflicts and we were also beginning to appreciate the different dimensions of inequality which we argued as a class uh, were the major shall we say uh, catalysts of conflict not only in Mindanao but in the Philippines as a whole and then 
nagka-lockdown na. So, immediately, Ateneo acted, although it was still in the initial stages. No? And there was no clarity yet in terms of how to continue on or to proceed with the semester as well as how we can effectively deliver the content of our courses in such a way that everyone gets access to it because admittedly not everyone has uh, reliable and steady access to uh, online platforms like what we're using Zoom, Google Meet or whatever, Hangout Um, now we're shifting as an institution in Ateneo we're shifting to Canvas Uh, many of the teachers are actually using Moodle but now uh, most of the materials that are in Moodle are being migrated to Canvas because that will be the institutional online learning platform that the Loyola schools will be using I personally haven't used any online platform apart from Facebook Um, so it's also a learning experience for me so basically, with the announcement that there will be no face-to-face interactions or face-to-face engagements on campus, so personally, I had to think uh, quickly <clears throat> on how best to approach the study of the Philippines using a sociological perspective. And since I have been accustomed to using well, not extensively though, but you know, relying partly on uh, social media, you know, online platforms to disseminate uh, readings, for instance, or you know, to materials that were pertinent to teaching a particular course. You may say that in terms of that, in terms of disseminating my lessons, in terms of getting in touch with my students, wasn't much of an adjustment. It wasn't much, it wasn't as jarring as probably some people might describe the situation to be. Um, so it was, it was a relatively easy transition in terms of that. But habang tumatagal, what I realized was that iba pa rin talaga. And I suppose I share this sentiment with some uh, of my colleagues in the faculty or some students of mine. Iba pa rin talaga yung face-to-face interaction because I'm quite, shall we say, I'm old school that way. No, mas gusto ko pa rin yung nakikita ko yung mga sityante, mas gusto ko pa rin yung naririnig ko in front of me yung feedback nila, kung ano yung gusto nila, kung ano yung ayaw nila, kung ano yung alig lang nila, whatsoever. And I still miss, you know, I still relish yung unpredictability ng face-to-face classroom environment. Yung synchronous face-to-face engagement, which, well, practically characterizes my everyday as far as being a teacher is concerned. <clears throat> Not only that, being an administrator also, I miss daily interactions with my colleagues in the DSA and in IPC, 
know, which is always these are always busy environments to be in. I miss I miss the hustle and bustle. I, I miss uh, the everyday exchanges, uh, the vibrancy and the dynamism that go with those exchanges. Not to say that online learning doesn't have its share of dynamism and vibrancy. It's just different, eh, ba? At yun yung hindi pa ako gaanong sanay. You know, uh, for instance, itong ginagawa natin to, no? Talking for long periods, you know. Nakikita kita, naririnig kita, pero iba pa rin, eh, kasi I'm just talking to a screen, no? And I, I see you. Iba pa rin yung, how should I call it? Iba pa rin yung the satisfaction that I get, yung vibe. Parin yung atmosphere no, ng face-to-face interaction. Uh, there's something organic about it. There's something spontaneous about it. And the unpredictability of it excites me. So online learning, the only difference is it might be the only difference, but it's a big difference indeed the preparation time tends to be longer. And your approach has to be more systematic. Okay. Uh, more categorical. No? For a particular day, no? uh, kailangan talagang alam mo kung ano yung mga hakbang o yung mga pamamaraan mo sa pagtuturo. Pag sa classroom kasi, it's easy to innovate. It's easy to improvise. If, for instance, diba, uh, kasi nga, unpredictable. May plano ka. Hindi naman sa wala kang plano eh, pag nagtuturo ka. May plano ka. Pero, that doesn't pan out. It doesn't materialize. Uh, pag face-to-face interaction, ang bilis makadiskarte. This is me talking, ah. Hindi ko alam yung iba kong colleagues. Yung ganun din yung pakiramdog nila. Ang bilis makadiskarte. Um, you have more elbow room to maneuver. You have more space to, shall we say, uh, operate. Yes. <clears throat> uh, but in an online setting, I feel that you need to be precise. Not to say that walang room for innovation, walang room for adaptability, or walang room for adjustment. In fact, meron din naman eh, to be creative. No? Para hindi boring yung, yung pagtutulong mo online. Yeah, to be creative. But I think it's more demanding in a way that it expects you to be more systematic and precise in delivering your lessons. Because unlike before, sa syllabus natin, di ba? The syllabus is tailored or designed uh, to, shall we say, uh, it's designed to an environment that's face-to-face. Ngayon, the setup is more modular, which is more accustomed or attuned to towards an online delivery. So those are two things that I'm still getting accustomed to. How to design courses in a modular fashion. And by the way, Ateneo has been committed in shall we say, providing us with the necessary tools 
no? training, workshops, and the, the opportunities to actually get uh, used to this environment that we are now facing. Right? But still, syempre, iba't iba naman yung kapasidad ng tao. Ako personally, I have to admit, I'm a slow learner, especially when it comes to uh, the use of these technologies. No, kasi I'm not really techie savvy or tech savvy to begin with. <clears throat> so, nandun yung challenge. But nakatulong yung training. Uh, may mga reservations ako, of course. Kasi hindi naman lahat nasasagot ng training. Hindi naman lahat ng pangangailangan nasasagot ng online learning uh, systems. But nandito ako sa sitwasyon na ito ngayon, Jake. Um, it's still, I think it will be a constant adjustment period. Um, yung unpredictability nandun pa rin. But it's an unpredictability that uh, kasi sa classroom parang you look forward to it. And you welcome it. No? Here, okay, you accept it, but you accept it in such a way that you have to be prepared for precise or shall we say you have to predict as well. No, you have to predict what will happen. Um, and that is why I think the preparation time is longer. Kasi kung hindi mag-pan out yung plan A, may plan B na kagad. Kung hindi mag-pan out yung plan B, may plan C na agad. And students, I'm afraid, are also expected to conduct themselves in, in that way. No, na parang, number one, you have to be open to the fact na the scenario isn't going to be perfect. Okay? Hindi sa lahat ng oras parang ganito, Jake, na napakalinaw ng pag-uusap natin. I can hear you, you can hear me, we can talk freely. Hindi ganun eh, kasi there are times when probably mawala ng kuryente. Hindi ka makatend ang klase mo. Or, Sudyanteng walang laptop and walang access sa uh, uh, home internet. So, he or she will rely on his or her phone. Data. Okay. Eh, limited lang yung data. Magastos pa para sa isang sudyante. Eh, paano yung sudyanteng walang cellphone? Paano yung sudyanteng totally walang access? What will become of her or him? Or yung mga sudyante or because of the lockdown, were actually advised to leave Metro Manila, go back to their provinces. They might have access to the internet, o marami ding walang access sa internet. Yan. Pero ang isa pang problema, they have access to the internet, pero their home space is not conducive for online learning. I, I spoke to a student, a major of ours, and her primary concern is not really internet access, but the lack of space at home that is conducive for online learning. Kasi marami siyang kapatid. Maliit yung bahay nila. So, yung pinaka-ideal na space kung saan pwede siya mag-online learning, yung living room nila, is always occupied by kids, younger siblings. Alam naman paalisin niya, di ba? So, these are, these are everyday issues that siguro nakakadagdag din sa isipin mo nakakadagdag din sa isinasaalang-alang mo bilang guro. Uh, for me personally, 
it's not enough and it shouldn't be enough, I believe. To say, I've been productive this day, today or I've been productive this week because I was able to deliver the horses on time. I was able to tell them what they should work on or write about or research about. But you also have to be, first and foremost, sensitive to the learners. Teka, tugma ba yung pamamaraan mo sa sitwasyon nila? Is that the best approach? Or is that the best pedagogical um, technique to use? Or is that the right amount of content to give them, given the constraints that we see ourselves in? So, yeah, in a nutshell, haba na nung sagot ko. Um, in a nutshell, um, I thought it was a smooth transition because it seemed like it at the start. Kasi parang nag-online lang naman eh. Nilipat ko lang naman dun lahat ng, ano eh, lahat ng requirements eh. Parang i-deliver ko lang through email, through Facebook and whatnot. Minsan nag-chat kami or minsan, di ba, through messenger the video call o di parang nagmi-meeting din kami may consultations may class din kahit pa pero akala ko ganun lang hindi pala eh kasi hindi ko agad naisip na hindi naman lahat ng estudyante ko may telepono hindi naman lahat ng estudyante ko may laptop hindi naman lahat ng estudyante ko may access sa internet no? hindi naman lahat ng estudyante ko given the situation is in the right shall we say physical emotional, mental, and social state to continue. Diba? So, yun yung pinakamahalaga. So, yun. Siguro, yun na muna, Jake, bago tayo magkwentuhan. Yeah. Bago I natin ituloy. You touched up on a lot of very relevant issues and topics that really hit home. And, napalala ko tuloy sa isa sa mga klase that I took up uh, no, third year. I think this was one of your classes that you offered during that time. If you recall, uh, we took or I took up sociology of education, and oh yeah, yeah. Looking back at it now, it's super relevant what to our uh, current state of education. Uh, to be quite frank, uh, I think you hit it on the dot. Na hindi lahat ng mga not all of them have the means. Not all of them have the materials. And I like what you said now. As much as we think that online learning is just transitioning our materials and our lectures from the classroom to the computer screens, it's a whole lot more than just that. And especially given the different socioeconomic backgrounds of our kababayan. Yung school year or just any sort of online classes if some of our students either don't have the means to buy a laptop or any device or yung space naman nila masyadong clumped up it's not conducive to learning and yun pa naman yung isa sa mga mahalagang tips that my previous guest gave in one of our episodes to find a conducive space for learning so the fact that they're being not really robbed but the fact that they don't have these to begin with sobrang mahirap so this leads me now to my next question. So with all these issues taken into account, with all these concerns raised by your students, what were some of the adjustments and what are some of the adjustments that you yourself as not you yourself as well as your other colleagues have been doing 
from the moment quarantine started up to this very day. So as we all know, school is about to start for next week. Yeah. So ano na po yung mga pagbabago, ano yung mga contingency <coughs> plans, ano yung mga backups that you guys have considered doing from the moment quarantine started? Well, as a department, um, uh, hindi ako ganun ka-familiar dun sa ibang departments, of course, Jake. Pero dun sa department natin, what we did was to, well, for one, to give you an example, there's this particular course we call the Contemporary World. And the department is actually expected. It's it's a core curriculum course. So regardless of discipline, regardless of major, everybody takes it. No? Mm-hmm. And so the Department of Sociology and Anthropology is at the forefront of delivering that course. And of course, the first thing that we did, the first thing that Dr. Kanudai did was to convene, you know, a workshop, a series of workshops for the faculty who will be teaching it. First and foremost, to make sure that the syllabi that they will be producing in the, the, uh, are actually modular. So the workshop was about converting primarily our syllabi into uh, a modular, shall we say, format. And by modules, we mean uh, subtopics in the old syllabi will now be converted into uh, chunks of lessons and activities. And strictly speaking, each chunk should be timed in such a way and this is what I've been talking about, you know, being precise. No, uh, ideally, we follow a specific uh, number of hours in accomplishing a particular module before we move on to the next. And I think the ideal number of hours, although I don't know if many of us subscribe to that, not to be honest, but the ideal number of hours I think per module is eight. You know, so. In a span of eight hours, it's expected of you uh, to complete, to have completed a particular module before you move on to the next. So, yun yung adjustment, first and foremost, that we had to learn to appreciate what a modular setup looks like and how best to convert our respective syllabus such a way that it satisfies the standards of a modular setup. So that's one. Number two is we really had to, uh, we've been doing this for a long time, but especially now, we really had to prioritize which materials to include. For example, which readings to include, which activities to include, because you're only given relatively uh, short amount of time to complete a particular module. For that particular course, the contemporary world, we have six modules. Um, the syllabus I was able to produce had a total number of uh, the, the total number of hours, I think. The maximum number of hours a module, an entire module can have is 60. Yeah, it's 60. <laughs> for a particular subject like so in other words oxide well you have to teach that for a semester no 60 hours that's the maximum ideally don't go beyond that i mean you can but minimize it as much as possible stick to 60 or less so yung sa akin 59 hours i think no in total and then hihahati in mo yung 59 hours into six modules some of the modules are longer, others obviously shorter. 
Depende yun. Basta huwag kang sana lalampas ng 60 hours. Yun yung adjustment pang isa. Because admittedly, hindi ako ganun ka-precise whenever I formulate or I prepare my syllabi. Okay? Kasi nga nakasanayan ko na. So parang it's just second nature to me. Oh, itong third topic, ito, ipapasok ko, ito yung readings ko. Kumbaga parang mentally, nasukat ko na dati pa kung ano yung kailangang ituro for this particular module or for this particular section, sorry. But now that it's modular, you have to categorically say for module 1, ito lang, itong reading na to, itong activity na to. For module 2, ito lang reading na to, ito lang activity na to. So you have to be systematic, you have to be methodical, and you have to categorically, categorically say kung anong kasama at hindi kasama. So that was an adjustment for me. Now, ito yung pinakamalaking challenge, pedagogical approach. Paano mo ituturo yung content mo? Sa classroom, ang dami natin pwedeng gawin, Jim. Sa online learning platforms, marami rin naman. Kaya lang, yung pinaka-basic platform mo is still online. Di ba? Uh, hindi ka pwedeng lumabas ng classroom. Unlike, no, di ba? Pag-board pag na tayo sa classroom, okay. Out-of-class activity tayo. Deviance day. Okay. Yes, may breaching experiment to tayo. Yes, may breaching experiments pa tayo. Or individual, you know, research projects. Like, for instance, I'll talk for 30 minutes in class and then I'll ask you guys, so group yourselves into five, uh, leave the premises of the school, uh, try to research on this, take a photo of it, submit it via email before, you know, 11.59 p.m. today. Diba? Ngayon, parang yung basis of your learning is tied to the online platform that you're using. So, yun yung adjustment. What's challenging is sa isang punto, Jake, in a way, it's liberating because you get to experiment. Kung anong pwede mong gawin sa online platform mo like sa Zoom. Anong pwede mong gawin? What are the features of Zoom? So, talagang pag-aaralan mo. That's a plus. Um, yung nahihirapan ako personally is, okay, pagkatapos nito, ano pa yung pwede kong gawin? Diba? Or, yung lingering thought na epektibo kaya? May natutunan kaya yung mga bata? Ano kayang naramdaman nila? Kasi it's one thing to learn about something mechanically. It's actually another thing to really internalize. Sa tingin ko, sa classroom setting, sa akin, ha, I may be wrong, I may be right, mas malaki pa rin yung possibility na ma-internalize ng mga bata. Yung pinagsasasabi ng guro eh, or yung pinagsasasabi ng iba nilang klase. Kasi nakikita nila, na-visualize nila, nararamdaman nila, no? nararanasan nila right there and then. Ganito, iba eh, ibang karanasan eh. So, ang challenge, I think, for us, as teachers and for the learners as well is to find ways by which this experience this online experience although it does not duplicate or replicate face-to-face interaction magkaroon ng opportunity na mailapit yung karanasan doon so I think yeah uh, for me that's the adjustment and lastly online fatigue Jake totoo pala yun. Akala ko nun parang ano lang siya eh. 
it's just an exaggerated notion. Pero totoo pa lang nakakapagod. Na nakatutok ka lang. In my case, may mga meetings. Uh, I start teaching in August, pero hindi pa rin syempre mababawasan yung mga meetings. Um, I foresee na talagang mapapagod at papapagod ako. Darating yung puntong yun. And I empathize with my students and my colleagues kasi alam kong darating yung punto, mapapagod din sila. Baka nga, yung iba sa kanila, pagod na eh. Ngayon pa lang. No? Uh, so, forgive my ramblings. No? I hope they're coherent enough. Pero sa nakikita ko yan, yan yung adjustment mo. Apart from the transition, now that you've transitioned into this setup, what now? You have to think really quickly on how to make it as, shall we say, sustainable. That's right. How to arouse enthusiasm and interest in your students. So, yeah, yan yung mga iniisip ko ngayon, Jay. I hope I made sense. Um, those are very valuable inputs. And actually, I have a question for you before we go to the next few ones. Uh, so, paano na po yung assessment of the students? Because I was looking back at my old syllabi and a huge chunk of the grading system is of course you have the quizzes, the long tests and all that. There are group projects and at least based on my own experience on your classes, you know, these group projects require out-of-school field work, uh, face-to-face group meetings with group mates. Yeah. So, I'm sure that's one of the biggest challenges you guys are going to be dealing with for heading into the new school year. So, did you actually make any adjustments uh, assessment? So, you talked about module in terms yeah. of the modules now. Yeah. So, paano po yung pag-grade ng students? Like, I just wonder lang how you guys are going to adjust to that. Mm. Whether you're going to retain some stuff or if you completely had a major overhaul with the grading system. I think the grading system, no, the rubric at least remains the same. Uh, in terms of diba, yung A, ano yung A, ano yung B plus, ano yung B. Pero in terms of assessment, syempre, dyan papasok yung creativity ng faculty and yung imagination ng faculty. Of course, uh, while we have academic freedom, no, syempre, we also have to adhere to what the Loyola schools expects us. That's the reality. And fortunately, the Loyola schools actually provides space for us to innovate uh, subject to standards, of course. standards. We have to maintain that. And we have to be aware and mindful and sensitive to those standards as well as we innovate, as we create. And one of the things that we have considered basically and we're still in I think this is still a topic that is being uh, shall we say discussed wala pang now and wala pang final word on this uh, assessment of course it would depend on I think the discipline or the course you're teaching because certain assessment forms are more suitable or more apt no to certain subjects or to certain courses. Um, sa case ko, since I've told you na marami na rin ako dati pa ng mga activities that I deliver online, um, nandun pa rin yun. Like for instance, 
yung mga take-home essays, reflection papers. I mean, pwede kong i-email sa batayan or pwede kong i-post yung uh, set of questions or guide questions or discussion points as we call them sa canvas <clears throat> or i-email ko sa kanila. No? I create a Yahoo group or I create you know uh, a Google Doc, no? or shall we say a Google folder or a Google file or a Google Drive for my students. And nandun na lahat. Pwedeng, actually, pwedeng ang ganun eh. Nandun na lahat. Nandun yung syllabus ko, nandun na yung activities per module, nandun na rin yung readings. And then I will just indicate uh, which reading for this particular day, which assessment for this particular day, what are my expectations. Pwede yun eh. No? So yung mga PowerPoint decks ko, nandun na rin. Yung mga PowerPoint slides ko, nandun na rin. So, possibility yun. But as I've told you a while ago, marami pang ibang possibilities. Um, now they have um, features like Jamboard. I record you've heard about that. In Jamboard, it's like a whiteboard, an online whiteboard where you can write, you can draw, so or you can post ideas. So it's good for brainstorming sessions. Yeah. No? Um, Canvas, I think there is a discussion feature, meaning a discussion board where you can just post a question. And then you open a thread, and then students can just freely discuss and freely post their sentiments or opinions. And then you can react. You can follow the thread, and then you can comment. You can react. You can commend them for, for insightful and, and, shall we say, uh, uh, critical the ideas that they posted. So, mga ganyan. Um, you can ask them to submit an infographic still no, online. Marami namang possibilities, which I'm thankful for. Pero, hindi ko pa rin may paliwanan, Jake, yung nakukulangan pa rin ako eh. Siguro, kasi yung the synchronous dimension of teaching, which I think is still crucial. I don't know how my other colleagues feel about this or some students feel about this. For, for me, crucial pa rin yung like now. We're talking in real time. Okay. Love Iba yung halimbawa, sinabihan mo ako, Jake, na Sir, paki-answer naman tong mga questions na ipapadala ko sa'yo. Paki-record and then i-play-play ko. Asynchronous yun kasi it's not done in real time, diba? Yeah, pre-recorded. Iba pa rin yung dating nun. Iba pa rin yung dating nun. Like for instance, may mga tanong ka sa akin ngayon. Hindi ko masasagot yun if it's asynchronous. So iba pa rin yung interaction natin ngayon. Bagamat it's online, it's real time, di ba? Pag may hindi ako malinaw na nasabi, may itanong mo. Pag meron akong clarification sa'yo, di ba? Iba pa rin eh. At least may connection pa rin tayo. Pero pag asynchronous, parang it's effective, by the way. It gives students more time to think and to reflect. Hindi siya pressurizing in a way. Kasi students are expected and are encouraged to work at their own pace. That's the value of an, uh, an asynchronous setup, which I respect. Pero kailangan, for me, may, may synchronicity pa rin eh. There's still a synchronous dimension to teaching, to learning. So, personally po, you prefer uh, synchronous, real-time physical learning over the new normal type of learning, just online. 
I still do. I still do, to be honest, Jake. Pero because of the limits, because of ongoing, because of our current situation, um, I also have to find ways, of course, to adjust. I'm encouraged to do that, of course, to adjust. I'm encouraged to master how to use, you know, these online platforms and to shall we say, use them to the hilt to maximize what I know about these online platforms to be as effective and as creative a teacher as I can be. Yeah, which is challenging though. Yeah, um, it's very interesting that you pointed it out. The need to adjust and the need to be able to think on your feet and adapt para yeah. smooth sailing for your uh, lessons that you began and your colleagues. Yes. Which brings me to my next question. So, yeah. With all these taken into account, what uh, are you going to fellow teachers, mo, whether newbie or veteran? Because make no mistake about it, regardless of how long you've been teaching or how long or how new you are to the industry, uh, the fact that we all have no choice but to segue to online platforms just for learning and interaction, that in itself is already a major adjustment to anyone, regardless of how long he's been in the te- he or she has been in the teaching industry. Yeah. So, what particular advice or tips can you give to your fellow colleagues and to those who aspire to become teachers in the future? Should this be the new normal? Because, to be honest, I'm not sure when we're going to be able to physically meet each other once again. Meet each other once again sa Silid Ireland. So, any tips or advice for not teachers out there? Nahihiya ako, Jake. Kasi sa totoo lang, if I'm the right person to give my colleagues advice no? because how we experience the normal no? however we define it no? as new normal still our experiences will differ because our situations are diverse our needs don't necessarily mesh no? we might share some needs but given different circumstances those needs obviously will differ you know, depending on the situations we're faced with at a given point in time. And so our concepts of the new normal are obviously distinct. And so how we address them will be different as well. Um, for advice, dun sa sitwasyon ko, yung nakikita kong effective so far is well again this sounds cliche but nonetheless helpful for me pasensya which I think is crucial but patience um ako harsh critic ako ng sarili ko eh which is I think a flaw <laughs> um I like to be perfect whenever I teach, although I know that's impossible. But preparation is key for me whenever I embark, whenever I prepare for my classes. Preparation is key. Uh, And given the situation that we are now, online learning, now apart from mastering the subject matter of the core, the content of the subject, you also have to matter, uh, to master, sorry, how to deliver that through an online platform. 
So patience. Um, patience also requires you to accept and to acknowledge that the situation isn't ideal. No situation is ideal, by the way, uh, even if it's online or offline. So you make good with what you have. You make good with uh, the limits that are presented to you. You try to navigate those limits. You try to innovate given those limits. Because while there are limits, there are also opportunities. And that is what I discovered. May oportunidad, may pagkakataon kang mag-adjust, may pagkakataon kang mag-adapt. May pagkakataon kang matuto. And that for me is, I think, the most important reality. for us educators you know, that we ourselves are learners that we ourselves are students and so we should constantly accept and we should constantly be open to new learnings new lessons to teachable moments you know? I think that's where the unpredictability comes in uh, you think you're ready but it would be good to also be open to the fact that you are not always ready and that situations will not always pan out the way you want them to pan out. And patience, no? And in relation to that, radical, I will borrow an Indian sociologist's term. Radical humility. It's actually the capacity to accept that you are not always right. Ang hirap nun. Ang hirap nun. And that uh, the approaches that you adopt may be flawed. No? Ang hirap ding tanggapin nun paminsan-minsan. And that your students are not always, shall we say, in sync. You don't always have to see eye to eye with them. In fact, most of the time, because they come from diverse situations as well, hindi mangyayari ang gusto mo mangyayari. So you have to be open to that. And you have to be humble enough to accept that you are not the main source of knowledge in that classroom or in this online platform. And I think the online platform also yung upside niya is it gives learners relative authority and power to also contribute to the learning process. Yung kasing old setup natin na classroom, sometimes it's very hard to see our teachers as equals. In fact, in reality, some teachers don't like to treat themselves as equals as far as relating with students are concerned. And I respect that. I don't blame them for that. No, I totally get their point. But for me personally, especially uh, in our situation right now, uh, providing and encouraging your student to contribute to the production of knowledge, the creation of knowledge, not only in terms of repeating what has already been said, but creating new insight every day, that's a challenge. And that's something that I also, in my humble opinion, would like my colleagues to think about, to 
to be mindful and sensitive about. No. Be always prepared and be sure that we are creating spaces for our learners to co-produce, to co-create knowledge. And that's where the dynamism and the vibrancy should come in, even in an online setup. It's not a one-way street and it shouldn't be a one-way street. And the students should also be enabled and encouraged, you know, and shall we say, their, their confidence should be boosted in such a way that how should I say this? Uh, lahat tayo estudyante dito. Lahat tayo gustong matuto dito. I may be your teacher, but I still see myself as an unfinished product. I still need to learn. So we help each other learn. We help each other answer those difficult questions. Uh, we may fail together in terms of reaching a certain answer or in, in terms of solving a certain problem. But that's, that's okay. I mean, failure provides opportunities for us anyway. So, again, it's not an ideal situation. We shouldn't treat it as an ideal situation. No? Um, we should be open uh, to the unpredictability and to the imperfections. Right? And I think that's what ironically makes it exciting, makes it more dynamic, makes it more vibrant. Yeah, um, I couldn't agree with you anymore with those pieces of advice. I think sobrang relevant po sila ngayon in this new normal that we're living in. And I feel like the need to be prepared and the need to be open to the unpredictability of our environments, I think they redetermine not just the greatness of a teacher in general, but more so how effective he or she will be able to uh, implement his or her classes to uh, their respective students. And I guess since I mentioned students, uh, this can serve as one of our final uh, portions of this episode. So. What pieces of advice naman can you give our students? So we covered the whole we did a whole episode on this last time, but I'm sure may ilang yeah. mga paya na di ka pa sinabi, or there might be some points that you would like to reiterate for those who may want to hear them again. So for the students who may feel nervous and very anxious and maybe even discouraged yeah. to resume their schooling, Magaral natin yun, that are listening to this pod or who may not even have access to this uh, platform that we have right now. I think unang una is kilalanin natin bilang mga estudyante or kilalanin ng mga estudyante ng mga mag-aaral kung ano yung talagang tunay na sitwasyon nila. Be honest. Be humble enough to accept. If you can participate in this online setup that we are in, you know, well and good. If not, hindi kabawasan sa yun. No, um, there are other ways of learning which might be more accessible to you at this moment. 
Um, hindi ko alam kung ano yon, kasi hindi ko alam ang bawat sitwasyon ng mga bata. But I think and I trust that the students, that the learners will be obviously in a better position to gauge kung ano yung pangangailangan nila, kung ano yung kaya nilang gawin sa sitwasyong ginagalawan natin ngayon. Kung ano yung hindi nila kaya gawin. Kung ano yung kaya nilang matutunan at kung ano yung hindi nila kaya matutunan. And first and foremost, I would advise students to be true to that. To accept the limitations of their situation and to find ways to find ways to shall we say creatively and successfully navigate uh, their situations kung hindi ko kaya uh, bakit ano yung kulang uh, ano yung kailangan kong gawin para mapunan yung kulang na yon kung hindi ko kayang mapunan yung kulang na yon kanino ako pwedeng humingi ng tulong kanino ako pwedeng lumapit para mapunan yung pagkukulang na yon so, I think the situation that we are in also calls for, you know, opportunities to collaborate among students, particularly. In as much as I discussed radical humility a while ago, it's also good to discuss, uh, shall we say, empathy. No, yung yung hindi lamang understanding the situation of your batchmate, your colleague, no? but going out of your way to truly sympathetically understand no? what he or she is going through. Diba? Yung lesson natin nun, yung verstehen, no? sympathetic understanding of what others are going through. Um, it's like engaging in everyday ethnography. Trying to put yourself in the situation of other people. Uh, trying to think and to feel how they would feel in a given situation. And knowing how they would feel, knowing what is lacking, knowing what they need, offer help. Okay, kalimbawa, wala akong access dun sa reading na ito. Alam ko yung kaklasiko si Jake meron. So, ikaw naman Jake, di ba? You'd be willing to help out. Oh, ito. How can I give you a copy of this reading? These are simple things, by the way, and this might sound mundane and everyday, but these are simple gestures of collaboration. Um, this might sound absurd, but kalimbawa ko, uh, walang access sa internet yung kaklase ninyo. No? Um, or dun sa area na yun, walang kuryente. Ano kaya yung pwede kong gawin? Okay? Uh, I know it's risky to leave the premises of my abode, pero siguro naman, pwede ko siyang matulungan. Uh, paano ko siya magpapadala ng tulong? Not only in terms of yung dinidiscuss nating lessons, not only in terms of school materials, but in terms, for instance, of you know, everyday basic needs. Paano ko siya matutulungan? Um, so, forgive me if I can't give you categorical answers as to how we can help. But I think it starts with empathy. It starts with concern, genuine concern for the other. You know, especially for those um, that are historically bereft of resources. 
So, paano natin sila matutulungan? Again, it's just not it's not just a matter of communicating constantly, but it's also thinking out of the box, saying, ano nga kaya yung meron sila? Or ano kaya yung kailangan nila? Ano yung wala sila? Paano ako pwede makatulong doon? So, sa mga estudyante, I think right now, collaboration is key. Constant communication is key. But also, empathy should be there. Understanding the situation of another person. Halimbawa, sa klase, magsiset up kayo ng meeting. Uh, expect na merong hindi makaka-attend. Minsan kasi, diba, students tend to judge. Diba? And can't blame them. Lalo na, if you're strongly committed to finishing a project, and then you feel freeloaders lang yung ibang studyante, diba? masakit yun eh. Pero in this situation, talagang patience as well, understanding as well, yung sitwasyon ng iba. So, humble enough to accept na ito yung sitwasyon natin, talagang limitado. So, paano kami makakagawa ng proyekto na collaborative in such a way na we are also sensitive to the different situations of my classmates. So, maganda pag-isipan yun. O, o ikaw, ikaw yung may access sa internet. O, halimbawa, o ikaw yung lagi kong constantly kausap. Yung iba, hindi ko makausap constantly. Ano yung pwede nilang gawin? So, it, it, it encourages us. It requires us to think of ways, to explore ways of reaching out of creating inclusive spaces no? for those who are lacking to actually participate too. So, in a way, I, I think it's a way of giving them hope na despite your situation, um, meron at merong tutulong sa'yo. Ano mang hirap ng sitwasyon, kailangan, kailangan ganun yung maging pakiramdam eh ng mga learners na iba't iba yung sitwasyon ng ginagalawan eh. But despite your situation, merong tutulong sa'yo na pagawat hindi perfecto yung tulong, hindi sapat yung tulong, kulang pa rin at kulang, meron kang malalapitan. Pero, yung kapwa, estudyante mo has to ensure na talagang makakalapit siya sa'yo. Yung guro, kaming mga teachers, we also have to be open to the fact na may mga estudyante lalapit at lalapit sa'yo kasi may kulang. May pangangailangan. So yeah, we have to be open to that. So the learners have to I think accept that too. Uh, be ready to extend help. So I'm not saying that we are all in a capacity to help. Pero ang laking bagay kasi nung makausap mo lang muna. Kausapin mo, ano bang kailangan mo? Paano kita matutulungan? Kumusta ka na? Ang laking bagay nun eh. Yung pakikipagkapwa, marami namang paraan ng pakikipagkapwa, lalo na sa sitwasyon na to, na hindi tayo nagkikita palagi. Hindi mo mahahawakan, mayayakap, no? hindi mo ma-assure or ma-console na everything uh, malalampasan natin, kaya-kaya natin malampasan kung magtutulungan tayo. Pero... Diba? Just by saying, oh, kumusta ka na? A text, probably. An email, probably. Or kung walang email, walang text, no? Kung alam mo kung saan nakatira, mapuntahan mo man lang, kahit saglit lang, mabilis lang. Uh, malaking bagay yun. 
nakikipagkapwa-tao. More than ever sa sitwasyong ito, I think. Uh, ako personally, hindi ko pa rin matiyak kung anong mga steps yung pwede kong gawin. Halimbawa, may lalapit sa aking studyante. Sir, hindi ako makakapag-enroll ngayon kasi I feel na hindi magiging efektibo ang pag-aaral ngayon o pagtuturo ngayon. O sir, hindi ko talaga kaya ngayon kasi yung mga magulang ko na wala ng trabaho. Because of the lockdown, na walang trabaho. So kulang yung pagtustos ko. Kulang yung pangmatrikula ko. As a teacher, are you willing to teach beyond the confines of the classroom? Even though wala siyang ibabayad sa'yo. So these are things you have to explore. He or she may not get the degree. He or she may not get the passing mark. Pero beyond that, beyond the requirements of a of an education institution are you still willing to teach even the students beyond the school outside of that are you still willing to learn paano saan sino kasama mo doon daming tanong Jake sorry hindi uh, natin masasagot lahat ng tanong pero i think again it starts with that genuine concern for the other and that openness and willingness to collaborate to help each other out to see each other through and that doesn't only apply to learners it also applies to educators to colleagues how can we be collegial to each other and that doesn't only mean saying hi and hello constantly helping each other out from time to time no genuine concern we have to reinvent ourselves as well so radical transformations of the self very important Hope I made sense, Jake. Wow. That's really a lot of valuable inputs and advice that our listeners can really take into account now that we are heading into the new school year. So, Muli, uh, maraming salamat po, sir, for all the, advice, salamat, all the advice. And uh, I really wish you and your students and even those outside of your circle uh, all the best, po, because the uh, school year na po, let, and I'm sure Marami pa rin di tinake into account. There are so many more uh, logistical problems. There so many more issues we have to deal with. Pero uh, feel ko naman po na with your ever-collaborative department and every other department in school, I'm sure malalapusan yung po ito. I'm sure we're gonna get to a point where this will become close to second nature as time progresses. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Maraming salamat, Jake, sa pagkakataon. Uh, napakaganda at napakahalaga ng mga tanong na napag-usapan natin ngayon. Bagamat hindi natin nasagot ng may kasiguruhan lahat. No? May mga tanong kasi na open-ended talaga by its nature kasi may unpredictability, may uncertainty. Sana nakatulong. Sana makatulong. No? Uh, hindi lamang sa mga kagaya kong guro, pero lalo't higit sa mga kagaya mong estudyante. Uh, I hope that this conversation is not the end of it. We still have, you know, a lot of opportunities to touch base again, whether online or offline, to talk about these things and to really help out, you know, to to think of concrete ways by which we can lessen or mitigate the adverse effects of what we're experiencing right now. To really help in a genuine fashion, para may itawid, no, ng mabuti. 
para matawid natin ang mabuti yung sitwasyon ginagalawa natin. So salamat. Maraming salamat, Jacob. Mabuhay itong programa mo. And salamat rin po sa inyo for taking the time and the opportunity to be one of my guests in this new but ongoing podcast. It felt good to be a student again uh, to some degree. And uh, I have a question now. Uh, if you were to yeah. grade me right now, what grade would you give me? Oh, I'll give you an A. <laughs> I'll give you an A for you know uh, effort <laughs> for coming up with for for coming up with a platform such as this, a platform that reaches out, a platform that hopefully will help out in making sense of what is happening. No, it might not it might not have all the answers, no, the questions, but the important thing is that. It provides space for us to talk about these things, to talk about real life issues, and to try to resolve them together, to try to have a better grasp of them together. So in a collaborative fashion, like what we hopefully did today, Jay. So thank you for that. All right. So thank you also, sir, for uh, taking the time. And uh, any last minute plugs? Bro? Any last minute? Uh, last minute. Promotions. Like, where can my listeners follow you, or what pages would you like to promote before we officially call um, this up? I'm not really <laughs> a media personality or a softmed personality, and okay. I would like to keep it that way. But um, that's all right. Yeah, um, but you know, um, from time to time, I do post on Facebook. I'd rather keep myself, uh, you know, away from, uh, you know, the bright lights of social media, so to speak. <laughs> no. um, but through you, I suppose, if you need my help in terms of conversations like this, I'd be more than happy to help. In you know, however modest that help may be, okay. you know. Um, I'd be willing to share insights or experiences if you like, given a chance. If you want uh, a broader conversation, student teachers, you invite you know multiple speakers. Oh. We can do that. You know, yes. We can even invite other teachers if they have time, their schedule permits, through this program of yours. So we can think of ways by which we can expand your program. Of course, this is your brainchild. So <laughs> you deserve okay. all the credit in the world for this one, and I commend you for that. I congratulate you for that. Thank you very much, sir. And thank you, Jay. Actually, I'd also like to give a shout out to Sir Leland because he recently commented on my first episode, and it actually takes a lot to get Sir Leland's attention. But the fact that he reached out to me the other week, it was very hard. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. thank you, sir. And uh, yeah, you may well, you may want to invite him as well. I'm sure yes. he has a lot of insights. He's been working closely with students as well. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's with social formation. He has a lot of social involvement activities, so he would be a perfect, you know, he would be the perfect person to talk to as well. Okay. So um, that is all for now. Um, thank you for being thank here. Thank you, Jim. Uh, just a couple of last-minute plugs. If you want to follow me on Instagram, if you want to follow this. Uh, program it is at jo80.pod.delro. If you want to check out my personal IG account, it's at jake underscore delro. 
Um, as Sir mentioned, he's not really a huge fan of being promoted, but please do check out our DSA page on Facebook because I'm sure we're going to have a lot more collaborations such as this in the future. So I will link that uh, in the description later on. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is at underscore Dell underscore Ro underscore. And uh, that's pretty much it. So last call, sir. Are you sure you don't want to invite our listeners to... Uh, oh, I will invite questions. them to listen to you. I will oh, invite great. them to listen to you. Yeah. So yes. Um, so take note of this guy right here. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, one of my excellent students. You know, serious, <laughs> committed, you know, uh, driven. Quite reserved, but also intelligent. So it's been a pleasure, you know, conversing with you this afternoon, talking to you, catching up with you. So looking forward to more conversations like this, Jay, in the future. Thank you. Thank you again for inviting me, for having me. And thank you program. again also for uh, taking the time to converse with me for a little bit even though I think our chat lasted for about one hour plus, I'm not mistaken oh, but wow. every second was that worth long. it every second was worth thank it thank you thank you hopefully hopefully <laughs> hopefully and uh, that's a wrap y'all thank you for tuning in today mga Del Bros and sisters this has been your Jacob of All Trades by yours truly and I am Delro signing out magang sa susunod na usapan at chikahan see ya see you guys see you guys